there, Christina Kay here. A few years ago, I drop kicked my corporate career to pursue my true passions of writing books and helping my fellow authors do the same. And while I'm now an award-winning, best-selling author, veteran editor, and self-publishing coach to over 100 authors, once upon a time, I made all the same painful but super common mistakes that new writers make every single day. Now fast forward through all the tears, frustrations, and heartbreak, and today I teach authors worldwide how to write their best book ever and how to launch their successful writing careers. I started the Self-Publishing Success Podcast to give you easy to follow, actionable advice on becoming a successful indie author by letting you eavesdrop on coaching sessions with people just like you. Each episode, I pull back the curtain and you get to listen in as a fellow book writer shares their biggest struggle and I coach them and you through every step they must take to overcome, to succeed, and to become their own, you guessed it, book boss. So if you're an aspiring author, or even if you've published before, but you just aren't happy with the results that you got by going it alone, you're in the right place. Let's get started, shall we? Hey there, Christina Kay here. A huge heartfelt thank you for tuning in to the Self-Publishing Success Podcast, a show that is dedicated to helping aspiring and struggling authors overcome their biggest challenges and successfully launch their books and their careers. I'm your host, Christina Kay. Not only am I the award-winning and best-selling author of seven published crime and suspense novels, I've been working behind the scenes in the publishing industry for over 13 years as an author coach and a book editor. Each week, I'm gonna sit down with a successful indie author and chat with them about the one struggle they faced early in their career. And together, we'll walk through that issue so that you can learn from our mistakes and overcome them too. Please tap to follow this show so you don't miss a single amazing episode and be sure to find and follow me everywhere at Book Boss Official for tons of free, helpful tips, tricks, and advice to help you on your writing and publishing journey. Now, enough of all that. Let's hit the play button on this bad boy and get this party started, shall we? Ever heard the saying, you can't throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks? Well, the same theory applies to book marketing. Marketing your books to, quote, everyone will never work. Why? Two reasons. One, not everyone will be interested in your book, let alone will they love it. And two, marketing so broadly makes it harder to reach your ideal reader avatar. And listen, if you don't niche down your marketing efforts and target the right people, your messages will be lost in the cacophony of all the other book promoters. But don't worry, I have exactly what you need. If you head on over to my website now, bookbossacademy.com, and you fill out the pop-up form on my homepage, you'll get instant access to my digital resource called Find, Hook, and Grow Your Reader Audience all for free. It's a fillable PDF workbook that includes all my best advice and tips on taking the most important step to book marketing, which is learning everything you can about readers who will actually be interested in your books, hooking them with engaging content, 
and converting them to fans of your book before you even launch it. And it's a win-win because by signing up, you'll become a Book Boss VIP, which means you will receive my newsletter twice a week filled with actionable, in-depth advice on kickstarting your author career. Again, head on over to bookbossacademy.com, enter your name and email, and instantly download the workbook that I promise will change the game for you when it comes to book marketing. Okay, guys, this week I am excited to have the chance to sit down with the amazing indie author, Willow Winters. I first discovered Willow while kind of trolling on TikTok, which is proof that if we authors put in the right amount of effort and put out the right kind of content, you absolutely can use TikTok to grow your readership and sell your books. Willow is one example of someone who's doing it right. She's the author of several romance books, as well as some adorable children's books, right? And on top of that, she has created a nonprofit called Live a Thousand Lives, through which she makes audiobooks more accessible to mobility-impaired readers. Now, while things are going swimmingly for Willow now, like most authors, the early part of her career brought about some struggles that I'm sure we can all relate to. So, hey, Willow, welcome, and thank you for joining me for a chat today on the Self-Publishing Success Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and chit-chat. Me too. Me too. Like I said, I stalked you a little bit on, on TikTok. I, thought I came across your account, and I thought, this girl's killing it. <laughs> so, and I admire you not just for your achievements as an author, but your passion for making amazing stories available to more people, especially those who have special needs. So do you care to tell me and my listeners a little bit about your nonprofit? Absolutely. So um, it deals with audiobooks, which during COVID, there was so much going on. And my heart went out to a lot of people, especially um, my neighbor, who is my shipping manager now. Uh, but at that time, her father had taken a fall a few months beforehand, and he slowly lost his mobility. And my grandfather had passed away the year before from ALS. And there it was so alike. And I felt so very helpless. And one day I was just thinking about what can I do? I'm in a position. I have a platform. There has got to be something that I can do. Uh, because before I became a writer, my focus was actually in cognitive development and neuroscience. And that's what oh, I was perfect for you then. Right. So I, I tend to obsess a little bit over things. And sometimes I feel guilty that... I'm having a ball at life <laughs> writing romance books, but there's got to be something worthwhile for me to do. So I put my business hat on and I realized there are a lot of public works out there in audio and patients with low to no mobility could read books without having to move at all. They could listen to stories and the cadence and of an audio and someone talking to you is so very healthy in a, a neuroscience way, a psychological way for infants, um, premature babies, and in our um, much older, much older people who, you know, Lauren felt guilty. She wasn't there with him all the time. She mm -hmm. has a daughter, she has work. And being able to gift that an audio device that is full of uh, audiobooks from Moby Dick, Alice in Wonderland, all of the classics that are public works. Um, I was like, how can I do this? How can I use my platform and like provide this for readers? So bunch of author friends of mine, spicy romance authors donated audios of our books. 
and we put them onto a device and there's a red one which is spicy and there's a blue one which is classic and if you buy one we are able to donate two of the blue ones to facilities, hospitals, and nursing homes, retirement centers, et cetera, which are, they have been used in um, Alzheimer's patients and for helping that as well as just enjoying them in your, your older years as mobility becomes a, a difficult issue. So yeah, we were able to do that in 2020 and we're still going. I love this. I You've given me so much more information than I already had about the nonprofit. And I just it, it, I have one remaining grandparent. She's 86 and she's getting there where mobility is an issue. They're even, you know, in that place where, where do we go now? Where do we do? Does she live at home or assisted living? And so I'm going to check it out personally. And I am going to give you time at the end of the show to give us all your stats. But you guys right now, I want to go ahead and take a moment to say, please check out this uh, nonprofit which they can find on your website, right? Absolutely, yep. Okay. And in link of every single bio of mine on any platform all has a link. Um, okay. and it will include that as well, yep. Okay, so again, we'll give you more deets later, but for sure, make sure that you check out, if nothing else, her nonprofit. And again, it's called Live a Thousand Lives? Correct, yep. Okay, good deal. All right, so give me now the editor's notes. Um, I know you're an author, I'm an author, we tend to you know, so let's do the editor's notes version. How did Willow Winters start her author journey in the first place? And what was your experience as a newbie author like? So I was an overachiever. Like I said, I was in college for neuroscience. And uh, one day in the PhD program, I realized I'm getting ready to get married. We're talking about me trying to get pregnant during a dissertation, like my personal life and my academic life no longer were in sync. And I ended up quitting. I basically everything that I had worked for up to that point, I realized it, it wasn't going to happen. If I wanted, if I wanted to live my, the life that I wanted, this was incompatible. And so I got married, we had our first baby. And I was no longer the overachiever. I was no longer smart. I was Sean's wife and I was Jack's mm -hmm. mom. And I lost a lot of challenges in my life that I really love. I lost a lot of motivation and I started reading and I read like crazy. And then I had my little girl. A book a day if, I'm, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. I went down that rabbit hole and then I gave birth to my little girl. And I thought, as I'm staying up late at night with her on my chest, refusing to let me put her down, I have so many stories in my head that I would like to write. And my imagination was just so vivid. So I started writing. And I remember my husband, he said early on um, when I started self-publishing, and I just, I had knew nothing about the industry. Mm -hmm. All I knew is I could go to kdp.com and I could upload it today. And I had a friend who was everybody like, has that experience. And, yeah. And I, I had a friend who was like, oh, I'll edit it for you. That's fine. Like there, nothing about it was very professional. I made my own covers in KDP, not because mm -hmm. Photoshop made me cry. And still it makes it, all of us cry. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love Canva so much. Yeah, for real. Right. <laughs> and I was making money though. I and and a lot of money more than I anticipated. And I told my husband, I said, I know that I'm not doing the best that I could do. Mm. I am filled with so much right now. Is there any way you could quit your job? And he said to me, are you sure you have more stories in you? Like, do you think that you're going to continue to write? I've written over 60 now, over 60 novels. Well, some are novellas, 15 are co-written. Stories. Yes, exactly. But I looked at them back then and I said, 
baby, I made in a single month, I made his yearly salary. And I knew that I was making mistake after mistake. With, mistake. Sorry to interrupt, but this is with your early books even? This is with my early books. Oh, this you. Is my first year. Yeah, within six months, I, I was in the top 10 every release, Kindle Unlimited, and I was just pushing them out. Back then, Amazon was also very different. Was this yeah, one that was CreateSpace? Uh, uh, yes, CreateSpace yeah. was still around. Mm -hmm. So it was with seven years ago. So CreateSpace mm -hmm. would leave within the next two years or so, mm -hmm. and the algorithm would change. The community would change. Ad spend would change so much. Um, and socials would change. And it was like every six months, there was a massive mm -hmm. shift, which absolutely affects our income. But yeah, that's that's how I got started. Very reckless, very much searching for myself and asking my husband to take a jump with me. And he did quit his job nine months after I started uh, writing from the very beginning to him quitting. And then that's when, that's when chaos hit the fan because money actually mattered now. It was no longer monopoly money it and wasn't bills. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think that all authors who have self-published even one book, whether they've done it well or not, can relate to a good portion of what you just said in that we all, I think most authors, honestly, dive in that first time and just publish because we're just eager. We're excited. We know we have this platform now that we don't have to wait for the big guns to just all those reasons, right? But where I think your story is amazing is that it differs a little from the average Joe author mm -hmm. is you really kind of hit it out of the park but you said one of the things i think that made you and i don't know this well but i would guess helped you to have early success you said i was pushing out the books 100 percent. i knew that the mm -hmm. algorithm there's a 30 and a 90 day drop in the algorithms and if you're able to publish a second one within that 30 day it almost acts like a yo-yo for the one before it so I was trying well, backlist to backlist books can do so well. Exactly. Exactly. So I was writing series and trying to, to write and publish. So I would send it to the editor. But at that point I did towards the end, I did have, um, or to, towards that nine month mark, I had a professional editor, but I would send it to her and I would pay the rush fee to get it back in five days. And the day that I got it back, I would publish because back then I didn't have a copy editor, <laughs> which I do have two now, but everything was on this high paced rat wheel and I ran myself into the ground. And um, by the end of year one, Sean said something has to give, like I need you to stop yeah. it, quit his job. But I was not well. Amazon found one of my books on a pirating site. Mm -hmm. So they removed the book and took away the author bonus. And I needed the author bonus to pay for the ads. Mm -hmm. And I was having panic attack after panic attack. And I kept thinking, if I walk away from the computer, I'm going to come back to an email from Amazon saying, we're sorry, you're not a real author. Your mm -hmm. book shouldn't have been published and just remove all of them. It's happened. It has. happening. Lately. Yeah. And that was my biggest fear. I was like, I, and I was absolutely run down. So that's when I went wide because I knew that I still wanted to write. Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to get off the rat wheel because it wasn't healthy and I didn't want to become dependent on Amazon. Right. So I moved wide and I saw that huge income drop, but it was so much better for At me. the beginning. Yes. Yes. <laughs> At the beginning of that drop. Correct. Yes. Gotcha. So now I'm still wide um, and not now. Right, right, exactly. So let's go back just a little bit. You started to talk about this slightly, but the point of this season is me, the author coach, chatting with successful fellow indie authors about a specific struggle that they faced or possibly still face on their journey to publishing success. So 
let me ask you this. If you had to pick one, which, you know, I'm sure we have, we can make a list, right? What would you consider the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome? And how did that struggle manifest for you? So I did, I touched lightly on the, the first one, which was imposter syndrome, which stayed with me for a very long time. Um, if I could pick one now, I would say once I wrapped my head around the fact that this was a business, delegating was my biggest struggle because mm -hmm. I refused to do it. I was convinced it was going to be more work than it was worth. And then the moment that I did start to delegate so I could focus on writing, everything boomed, everything blossomed. Mm -hmm. Really quick, and we are talking more about imposter syndrome on this specific episode, but I do, if you don't mind, when you say delegating, just so that my listeners can kind of catch up and know exactly, because you, I know what you mean, and some may do, but what did you delegate? Just quickly, what, what kind of tasks and things did you delegate? Are you talking about hiring professional service providers or a PA or both? Oh, I'm not talking about like editors and such. That's, a, I think, mm -hmm. a given. And we all know. But we're also a business. We're not just the creative, right? We're not Thank just the author. Yes. Yeah, so, book boss. You exactly. get it. There you go. So I actually mm -hmm. have 12 paychecks that are salary that I give out every single month. I have two okay. PRs. I have an assistant who has an assistant. I have a shipping manager who has an assistant. I have, oh. I have, I have a lot of people who I've delegated to. Okay. And in the beginning, I didn't even want to hire a PA. No, thought, you don't. Mm -mm. Yeah, I thought it's going to take me too long. It's not going to pay back its money. Like mm -hmm. there, but, but in the end, when you look at your time, authors should be writing. Yes, we have to stay on top of things, right? We we should be writing. And when we're doing all of these other things that take up so much time, if there's someone else who could be doing it, they mm -hmm. should be doing it. That's because, exactly right. Yeah. yeah and, that's, and that's and you hit on basically my purpose for existing, which is teaching authors to treat their authorship and their career as a business, because guess what? It is a business. And on top of that, you said, and I struggled with this, not just as an author, but as a business owner, that moment that we know we have, I know we're talking about imposter syndrome, but this is a good point. That moment that we know and when we need to hire help and delegate and hire at least one PA is a tough moment because like you said, we don't feel like we're going to get ROI and we're not going to, you know, get what we, but time and stress is almost worth it, if nothing else. And also, like you said, when we delegate and we have PAs, even just if, even one, right? Even one to start out with, the time that it relieves from you doing newsletters, posts, things like that, that someone else could easily do, you would be amazed at the level of stress and time that is just lifted. So thank you for pointing that out. And we'd probably need a whole episode on that. <laughs> That's a good point. There's also a great book for it that my financial manager gave me when I was talking about delegating called Essentialism. Okay. Uh, yeah, it talks all about how to say no to things that, and it's because it's not for you, it's for them. And that's how you get better. That's how you go faster is by that, that saying no to it, delegating it and keep it, keeping it moving. Marie Forleo. Have you ever heard of Marie Forleo? I don't know. She's in the market, just general marketing space and online business space. And she has this thing that she's teaching now about time stress. And her thing is stop saying I can't and say I don't. Yes. And, and I, when I heard that on a podcast, I was like, amen. Just say I, I, don't, I don't do that. Yes, I absolutely love that. You should check her out. It's Marie Forleo and my listeners too. Marie Forleo, she's amazing. She's the one who coined the phrase, everything is figureoutable. 
and definitely is she on TikTok or is she where? Oh, she's everywhere. everywhere. I don't know okay. on TikTok specifically, but you'll find her online. Wonderful. Okay, let's get back on track. So, <laughs> so many new authors go through that imposter syndrome. All right, and that's that's the point of today's show. I think you and I could probably discuss everything because you're such an amazing author and you've done so well. But since so many authors can relate to that imposter syndrome, and for those of you who may not know, you may be brand new and you're not sure what the term imposter syndrome means, that is that little nasty voice in your head that says, who am I to write a book? Or I'm never going to be Sarah J. Moss, or I could never write like such and such. That's imposter syndrome. But if we're serious about building a career as a published author, something eventually has to give. And once we recognize this fact, we make a serious effort to fix an issue like imposter syndrome. So what was the turning point for you when it came to imposter syndrome? Yeah, and I absolutely love that statement that you just said, make an effort to fix it. Because one of the things I say is it's okay to have a bump in the road. It's not okay to stay on a bumpy road. Mm, no, yourself up and, and move it forward. So a lot of it was my husband um, just talking to me about how this isn't healthy. It's not worth it. Um, and refocusing on family and um, sticking to the passion of writing and writing and writing. But I think the biggest thing that got me um, was that I was listening to a podcast or maybe it wasn't a podcast because at the time they weren't very popular. I was listening to maybe some, a YouTube or something. I might've been a YouTube. I feel like it was our own website and it was an author who I'm not going to name mm -hmm. who I thought highly of. And again, I had just gone from Kindle Unlimited to wide and I was listening to it and she, she just started bashing Kindle Unlimited authors and she called them not real authors. And I was at first shocked then I was angry, but then I was like, some of my favorite authors are on Kindle Unlimited. Some of my favorite people who are amazing writers, Kindle Unlimited. And I found myself like fighting for the people who I mm -hmm. I loved and respected and knew and feeling so defensive. And then I thought, wait, you felt that way about yourself. Wait, weren't you just saying these things about yourself? And I realized like I have to drink my own Kool-Aid. <laughs> I have to be my own cheerleader and recognize mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And to go like looking at somebody who I very much respected and knew to be a good author and disagreeing with them and understanding like what makes an author a good author, what mm -hmm. makes a book a good book, and simply that it makes readers feel. And there, there's a story there that is worthwhile. And how dare you put it down so that other people won't go and read it when they read that book. And so I just started mirroring that to myself. And it's the same thing with reviews. When you get a negative review, I used to, I don't read reviews anymore. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> but when I, I used to get a negative review that would upset me, I would go to my favorite books and go to their one stars and find myself saying, but that's not true or but it's not for you or but like but 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 like and defending those authors and then going back to my book and saying did you love it of course i loved it that's all that matters um, i love i've been i'm sorry that i'm going to steal that tip hey that great tip i have it's you've taken it one step further than what i even coach my clients to do which is i always say look at Stephen King's reviews, look at Margaret Atwood's reviews, look at Sarah J. Moss's reviews, especially except Colleen Hoover, these people who are making millions of dollars. Now go look at their reviews. If you can tell me they have no one-star reviews, then we'll talk. Mm -hmm. But you've taken it a step further and you're actually looking at it from a, a perspective of like internalizing it almost. Like, exactly. okay, so if this is said about Stephen King, yet I still love the book, 
and most, you know, 95% of Americans did, mm -hmm. then it's probably the same for me. And this is just a negative Nancy who has exactly. nothing better to do. <laughs> so exactly. I Because what matters is that you love it. That's really and what like you said. You made if you make one reader feel something to me, you've accomplished your goal. Yeah, I know that nobody likes to think that the fact that well, if I'm one reader, I'd rather have a thousand. Sure, <laughs> but that means that you've told a story that resonated with someone, and you you've accomplished your job. So that's great, and that turned things around for you then. One hundred percent, it did. Yes, a apparently, getting angry at somebody you put on a pedestal is what can change it your mind. Does. And we're going to talk. I know everybody's going to be curious. But we're going to talk when we hang up here because I know exactly who it is. But yeah, well, it was actually, a trend. There was a trending video on TikTok that had that same statement just in the last month. The I see same, it wasn't the same person. It was some random person. But I see it all the time for Wattpad, and it gets me so upset because I'm like, just just because they might not have the business doesn't mean they're not an author. Just because yeah. they might not be an editor doesn't mean they're not a great writer. Like yeah. we do what we can do. Well, most of us authors are not editors, to be honest. Yeah, no, no, I'm certainly not. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we do what we can do at our disposal, and we can always change it later, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to pause for just about one or two minutes and we're going to hear from our sponsor for this episode and we'll be right back and wrap up our call. Perfect. Another way to avoid the rabbit hole of searching online for the best self-publishing advice is to hire a professional, experienced, and skilled author coach. And it just so happens you're listening to one right now. As you probably know by now, my name is Christina Kay, and through my business, Book Boss Academy, I coach authors the entire process of writing a book that will fly off bookshelves, launching it to raving fans, tons of them, and successfully launching profitable writing careers. In the past, I've worked for several publishing companies and literary agents, so I have a cache of knowledge and insider information that 95% of those other coaches don't have. Not to mention 12 years of experience working one-on-one -on -one directly with authors. Just since January 2020, when I quit my 9-to-5 career and turned my coaching and book editing side hustle into a full-time business, so far, I've helped over 100 authors achieve self-publishing success. And I want to do the same thing for you. No more scouring the internet. No more confusing and conflicting advice from so-called experts. No more banging your head against the computer screen, worrying about what to do next, and if you can even do this thing. The answer is, yes, you can. And with my help, you can do it faster, easier, and more successfully. But here's the thing. There's only so much me and so many hours in a day. So there's a limit to how many coaching clients I can take on at any given time. But I do have a short four to six weeks wait list if I happen to be booked solid. To find out if we're a good match and if I have availability and to learn exactly what I will do for you and how I'll help you launch a profitable and successful author career, visit bookbossacademy.com, then hit author services, then hit author coaching, then fill out the short form to request your free 30-minute discovery call. And if you use the coupon code PODCAST10, I'll take 10% off my fee if we wind up working together. 
Now, you literally have no reason not to hop online and set your free call, do you? Okay, we're back with Willow Winters, author of All He'll Ever Be and other great novels. So we've been talking about Willow's early career as an author and her biggest struggle early on, which happened to be one of them was imposter syndrome. And we've talked about how she recognized that and, and dealt with that. Let's keep the ball rolling on this conversation. And so Willow, how exactly did you face down the imposter syndrome, overcome it, I know we've identified it, but what did you do to face it down? Other, if there's anything other than what you already said, um, to get to the level of success that you are now. And this, I love this because I tell people all the time, just keep writing, write a good book. If it's a good book for you, then it's a good book and just keep going. And maybe your launch wasn't a success and those imposter thoughts are going to come into your head. Shut it down because it's probably the business side. It's the business side that failed and you can fix that. You can always put a different cover on it. You can always relaunch it. You can always put a sale. You're, you're going to find your readers and it's going to be a success so long as it's a good book. And for me personally, I, I obviously love the books that I write, but the way that I reaffirm it is by looking at my read through. <laughs> so, uh, and your stats, you mean? Yes, my yeah. stats. I like to see numbers. And for one of my trilogies that I wrote, I had over 90% read through um, from book one to book three, all being $4.99 a piece and only 50,000 words a piece. And the moment I saw that and had those numbers, I thought, never again. Nobody can ever again say, this writing is trash. This is just not what nobody can say it because I have statistics. Right. <laughs> well, they can say it, but it, there's no way that you're going to let that fall into your head and per be pervasive. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's exactly what I think now. I like train myself to think when I see these negative comments, and I'm on YouTube, so I get a lot of negative comments constantly because i write dark um romance and i joked <laughs> this one i joked once because they accidentally printed the bible in my book which was his no way leviticus yeah um so i did a TikTok on it which was funny right youtube there's a pro there's there, apparently there's a lot of religious men on youtube who do not think kind highly of women who write sex books and are also very willing to tell you to because, go to you know christians don't have sex apparently <laughs> yeah apparently <laughs> yes so i get and it went viral um oh on TikTok gosh. as well as youtube but youtube definitely had a different reaction so i every time i see something i just i've now i have a, like immediate feedback loop of mm -hmm. a response um, that just kind of grounds me so I can delete and block and keep it moving because what matters is my passion and reaching the readers who it's meant to go to. So, that's right. yeah, that's right. And I want to point something out too that, that you already know, but my listeners may not realize you said something a minute ago about how, you know, you may have a launch and it may not go well, but you got to come back. It's probably the business side. I want to touch on that really quickly because I've always taught my coaching clients that there are, and even on TikTok on my channel, when I speak, I always say, even in engagements I speak at, there's two possible reasons why you're, you might get crickets or why your launch may not be successful, in my opinion. And you can usually tell whether it's the book or the business, right? Because it's got to be one of the two. First, if it tanks from the gate, like crickets from day one, 
it's probably business. It's probably lack of marketing. It's probably you didn't get the word out enough, find the right readership, do the right things. If you get a spike and then a complete tank, that's probably the book. And that probably just means, but even then it's not over. You still can retire it, pull it back, relaunch it, whatever you choose to do, make it better, re-edit it, put it back out there in the world. Never give up. And you said that basically. And that's, do you feel like that was, it's kind of like your driving mantra now. I mean, it may not be your official mantra, but to never give up, not listen to the negative and just keep writing. Absolutely. And one of the things I say all the time when I feel like really low, which it's been a while since that, um, but probably just because I've been writing like crazy is uh, Stephen King has failed more times than I have tried. I so love that. Get my ass right back up and keep it moving and keep it going. And one day it'll click. I remember when I had released um, and I have pulled a book back, re rewritten it and republished it later on. And it was a wonderful success, knocking boots. I wanted to change the ending. Um, and, you know, readers did enjoy it the first time around, but it did better the second. Um, but I had published. You know, with your instincts. Yeah, it was just mm -hmm. my, well, I, yeah, it was during COVID. I had to write a serial killer romance while I was pregnant. And I found it really difficult to do that. So I reread through my softer books. It was a small town romance. And I was like, I could do this better because the writer I was five mm -hmm. years ago, like I'm mm -hmm. a better writer now. And in five years, I'm, I better be a better writer than I am right now, too. So I was like, I can just make this better and it'll make me feel better, too. Right. Um, but I had released, I think it was called Imperfect. I've republished it now. And it's a, ab, a guy on the cover with abs holding his junk. And it was one of my first wide releases and it tanked. And one day I just blinked and I was like, you know, I probably shouldn't have written an emotional second chance romance with poetry in my advertising and put that on the cover. Incongruous, <laughs> just a little. I was like, this is not, this does not meet. This does not match. Um, mm -hmm. It is not lining up because you look at the cover and then you click on the reviews and it was all talking about emotions and crying and second chance love. And I was like, you know, let me just, recover it let me just retitle it and market it that way instead of bad boy mm -hmm. i would focus on the second chance aspect and it, it's done wonderfully same thing as republishing knocking boots kept its title this one is now called you are my reason um which is far more of a second chance it's, it's that genre that subgenre a lot better. exactly yes and the book the same I did go through, clean it up a little bit and republish it, but the interior content was the same, awesome. right. but the launch was better. And that's because it was business, not book. Right. It was, yeah. Right. yeah. And, and, and I want to underpin this, this, we've got one or two quick more questions, but I do want to underpin this thing that we've kind of come to a recurring theme on is not giving up and trusting your instincts and pushing forward. It's kind of a trifold kind of point, but that I love that everything that you've said that you've done that has changed that you've changed and has worked for you boils down to your instincts and you following your gut. Yes. That's and, something we could take away from this episode too. And having the patience to just let it sink in and see something over and over again. And then one day you blink and be like, oh, now I can fix it. Because mm -hmm. um, I do not have patience. I lack that. Um, but this business has taught me it. Right. And that the more patience you have to think things through, the better the outcome will be. Right. Well, so speaking of these challenges and outcomes and, and all of this, your books eventually did gain traction, like you've said. So tell me, and this is going to sound like a little braggadocious, but that's fine. You've earned it. How has life changed for you since you hit some level of success as an indie author? Oh, my goodness. Well, I... um 
you know, we bought a new house, our income is the only income that a family of five. Love it. And I employ 12 people, including my friends and family. And um, I just, it's like, it's completely all from your books. All from my books. And my comments. We're going to pin this. We're going to pull this out of this episode. This is going to be our teaser, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's I all. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're able to support, but what, um, I didn't have this in here, so I hope it doesn't throw you for curveball, but internally, personally, how have things changed for you? More just confidence, I think, and finding mm -hmm. myself at the time when I started writing, I had really lost my identity because it had always been the overachiever. I was salutatorian in high school and voted most likely to solve the cure for cancer. Mm -hmm. And I gave it all up because it didn't align with what I wanted personally with my, my husband and family. Mm -hmm. um, and he was a chemist and did cancer research and he quit his job also. And I keep thinking sometimes like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And I think it's to spread the confidence, the love, the sex positivity to stand up for something that is so very wrong currently in our culture. Mm -hmm. Sex is not shameful. Sex mm -hmm. is, Good things. Self love is not shameful. Masturbation, mm -hmm. go for it. Um, yeah, so I want to make that positive impact. Yes, yeah, <laughs> everybody. I hope more men start reading romance novels and we are seeing it trending on TikTok. I was going to say, I think there are more than, than we'll admit it in person. Yeah. I think the numbers reflect that there are. Definitely. And I've just come out with a discrete series for readers who, um, you know, they might have some difficulties in their life having covers that are recognized as romance novels and i just created a shades of gray and all black version as well because i thought you know some men they might be willing to purchase discrete covers in all black that other people don't know what they are and then they can enjoy reading romance novels in which there is this sexual desire from women that's honored that's honored and not shamed. So yes. Yeah, I so. love that. Thank you. Oh, we got to pin that too. That I did not know that part. That's news to me. Even with all my stalking, I didn't notice that part. So that's because I don't have them in hand yet. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll keep an yeah. eye out. And, and we've got one last question that I want you to tell us all those things. So, okay. and again, like I, I've t I said before on other shows, it is a two-parter, so I am cheating. But what are you working on currently, if it's that or something else? And then what can listeners expect from Willow Winters in the future? Yes. So currently, I've been inspired by Hades and Persephone. And I'm writing a retelling um, simply because of a twist. Like, obviously, I love the story. Kidnap romance. That's my jam. It's actually my brand. <laughs> All he'll ever be is a mafia kidnap romance inspired by Beauty and the Beast. So mm -hmm. writing... Um, very much the actual underworld. I'm keeping it with magic and spells and fantasy. Um, but it's the twist specifically that have like drawn me to writing this and feeling so inspired, as well as writing in my paranormal world that I have ongoing. I, I'm writing a dragon romance. I'm dropping the chapters in my Patreon. I also have a few other co-written um, projects going with actually three different authors, just the ideas currently. So I'm like, I got to start wrapping some things up before I start going on other things or also it'll be three years before anything's actually finished. And I only write 55K like on average. 50 to 55k so that's my uh, sweet spot too that's why traditional that's my sweet spot too is that 55 60 maybe and my traditional publishers back when i was traditionally published agents they just couldn't say it they were, that's just too short 
Yes. The readers are not telling me that, so I'm just saying. Exactly. If it's just your cadence, it's just your cadence. And I don't like to fluff or meet a word count. So whatever my book comes out to be, it's what it comes out to be. Um, and I'm just like, this is what the story is. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. Right. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm writing a lot right now. I have a lot of really like fun projects that I'm looking forward to and a lot of passion. And in the future, explicit romance spicy romance all day every day i hope that i am 80 years old on my rocking porch writing the dirtiest smut that there is <laughs> I my yeah. listeners are gonna love hearing that oh that's so great what a great way to wrap this up if we, you guys can hold on just one more minute i'm gonna give willow the floor one last time to give you all her details how you can find her website all her books in just one second i'll be right back if you're insecure in your writing and imposter syndrome is plaguing you every day, it might be because you know deep down that your writing could be better. But how do we improve our writing when we're just starting out? Well, eventually you'll send your manuscript to an editor because hopefully you know that publishing a book without hiring an editor first is a very bad idea. And your editor, especially if they know what they're doing, will teach you ways to improve your writing, which will inevitably boost your morale and confidence. But before you do that, I recommend using Pro Writing Aid as you do your self-edits. Now listen, no AI software for editing can ever replace the human brain, let alone experienced professional editors. But for the purpose of catching those silly mistakes and typos and minute errors, as well as learning ways to improve your narrative and dialogue, you can't find a program better than ProWritingAid. And there are so many ways to work with this software. You can use it online, or you can download one of their many plugins for Windows, Mac, and even Microsoft Word. Turn it on as you do your revisions, and pay close attention to the recommendations. This will definitely help you improve, especially on those small issues so that you can focus on ways to improve the story itself. And now you can try out the pro version of ProWritingAid free for 30 days by visiting the show notes or the shop page on my website. Try before you buy and you'll see exactly why ProWritingAid is now the number one AI editing program available. All right, Willow, it has been quite a pleasure chatting with you today. And I know that my listeners learned a lot, felt a lot, laughed a lot from everything that you shared with us. And I'm honored that you were not just willing to grace and graciously eager to pitch in and give the author community something that they can strive for and look forward to. Because so often... We hear, I even saw a post on LinkedIn the other day where this professional in our industry said, indie authors can't make more than $10,000 a year. Huh? <laughs> I don't think I didn't go off. I was like, uh, let me tell you some stats here, buddy. But seriously, it does give my, my listeners something to look forward to. So thank you for that. But before we go, I want you to tell those who are listening how they can follow and support you. If you have a current book out, what that is, or you're coming soon, that you want us to purchase or pre-order, and I'm going to give you the mic and let you just tell us all the things. Well, thank you. I have a million things going on. Like, I'm ridiculous. Uh, you can find me on any social media platform, and within that platform, I do have a link 
that link is going to have book boxes. I have my own book boxes that come with merch. I also do big book lover boxes, which supports other authors in the industry with special editions and bookish merch as well. I have a shop where you can get signed books of any book at all um, that I've written. Again, there's over 60 of them, and I have object covers. I have ab covers. I have discrete covers. I am a hoe for a good cover. I also have a Kickstarter currently with gorgeous decadent editions that are gold foiled and sprayed edges. Like when I say I'm a hoe for a good cover, I, I literally want every single one for every single one of my books. <laughs> yeah, I'm a title hoe. I'm a title yeah. hoe. Like I love good covers, don't get me wrong. But mm -hmm. I, I love, titles are my jam. Yeah. You'll have to get together and like collab a cover and a title or something. Sometimes. That sounds amazing, yeah. <laughs> so Kickstarter, um, where, where else? Yeah, Kickstarter, the nonprofit. I literally, I love to have my hands in everything that I can. I've got a Patreon um, with uh, spicy art drops as well, um, because I like doing those for um, my books. And it comes with art packages that have coloring pages and stickers and stuff. Like, I just do all the fun things and anything that fills my cup up, which is probably something that fills some reader's cup up somewhere out there. Somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you can see it all all on those, like uh, every single um, bio has that link in it and it has all of the buttons and all of the descriptions in there for you. Excuse me, y'all. This is so unprofessional, but my cat had decided to walk across the screen. I saw your kitty playing with the mirror and I was, <laughs> she's so, my husband's allergic. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's a kitty cat. And I was like, she's she's like okay. yeah, he was, he was <laughs> good the whole time. Of course, at the very end now, he wants to walk across the screen. So Cameo. <laughs> get your website out. Get that out if we did it. Oh, yes, uh, willowwintersrights.com, and you can find all of it there as well. Everything is there, right? There's a link yeah. to something. Okay, good deal. Okay, so thank you so much to this week's guest host, Willow Winters. Be sure to follow her, everything she just gave you, and check out her website, Willow Winters Writes, a little bit of twister, where you can learn about her books, her backlist, and current releases. Other than that, it's a wrap for this episode of the Self-Publishing Podcast. Please be sure to follow the show, share it with your author friends, and most importantly, wherever possible, leave us a rating and a review. Your support will help this podcast and me continue to teach, help, and support authors around the world how to successfully launch their books and their writing careers by becoming their own book boss. Find and follow me everywhere on social media, except Twitter, you know that, at BookBossOfficial. And be sure to check out my website, BookBossAcademy.com, to learn more about the podcast, as well as my author coaching and book editing services. Finally, shameless plug, shop for author templates and tutorials, and fun bookish apparel, stickers, and more at BookBossAcademy.etsy.com. And remember, as always, stay safe, keep writing, and remain true to yourself. Okay, folks, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the Self-Publishing Success Podcast. Thanks again to this week's amazing guest host, and be sure to follow them on their social media accounts, subscribe to their newsletter, and keep an eye out for their books. As always, thanks to our sponsors for making this show possible. This podcast is brought to you by Book Boss Academy, and your host is yours truly, author, coach, and book editor, Christina Kay. 
You can learn more about Book Boss Academy, my services, and my helpful resources for authors by visiting bookbossacademy.com. There you can also find previous seasons and episodes of this podcast, access the show notes, and read our transcripts. And don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok at Book Boss Academy for daily free tips, tricks, and advice on writing your best book, self-publishing it successfully, and becoming your own book boss. I follow back and I answer all comments and messages within 24 hours. Last but not least, please be a dear and hit that subscribe button. Show us some love and make it easier to find our show and get notifications when new episodes drop each week. Until next week, later, love you, bye.